0: slightly frazzled and I need it. (laughs) Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for this morning. We want to thank you for your many blessings and your goodness to us. And Father, I pray that this morning um, we might truly hear you speak to us. Um, Lord, send your Holy Spirit. And Father, I also pray that you would please be with everyone who's lost their homes or their business or or even family members in the fire. And Lord, um, please, please direct the firefighting crew and everyone who's been working so hard on keeping the fire contained. Bless them, give them wisdom and guidance. And Lord, just be with everyone, who pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So that image is from the infrared scan they did last night. Um, so, sometime last night, my grandparents' house was in the middle of the hot spot on the south, south, um, eastern corner of the fire. Um, apparently, my uncle has a friend who snuck in there behind the fire lines and just to see how the house was. And uh, apparently, there's only walls left standing um, of my grandparents' home. So um, we were planning to go there for Thanksgiving. And my grandmother's, uh, my mom's cousin lives right about here. And that's where we're having a big family reunion this coming um, at Thanksgiving. And so the big family Thanksgiving dinner is happening here. But he owns a furniture store up there in Paradise. So I'm sure he's lost his business and livelihood. So it's impacted my family in particular as well. Um, Next slide. Today, we're going to talk about small things that are disproportionately wise. Um, Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 30. This is where our scripture reading was this morning. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. So sometimes we can feel little or small or unimportant and we should never underestimate what, can God, what God can do through us. One of my favorite quotations from the Spirit of Prophecy is, you know, there is no limit to the usefulness of one who, putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is very, very true, and nature shows us this. Nature shows us that the little things matter, that they count, that God cares. And sometimes he likes to use the little things to have disproportionately large effects on the bigger picture. So, turn to Job chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. And we're going to do a whirlwind Bible study this morning. Job chapter 12. Say amen when you're there. Job chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, read, But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and, they, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 says, Behold the birds. Luke 12, verse 4, Consider the ravens. All throughout nature, the animals speak to us of our Creator's love, watch care, and protection. You know we have more than just the Bible to teach us about God. We have nature as well. And every time we behold nature, we should be reminded of the lessons that God has taught us about him, his character, and what he wants to do in our lives. Turn to the next slide. Anybody know what this is? An ant. A carpenter ant. I, I hear that... Uh, I heard that with almost like a little bit of disdain. <laughs> Was that with a little bit of disdain? <laughs> yeah, they can do a lot
1: of damage. <laughs> <laughs> this particular ant...
0: Not so much, but they can get your reeds and do a lot of damage. Yeah. So, um, this I, I forget the exact species name of this ant. Um, but next slide. He, yep. There's a, there's a new uh, I, or a gecko, I believe. And he is being dragged. Yeah. He, probably something unfortunate happened to this guy. And guess who found him? The ants. How many can you count there? Good estimate. There's approximately 50 or 60 ants here all working together to pull this one gecko towards their nest. So, have you ever been in a church situation where you had 50 to 60 people all working together towards a single goal? Or were they pulling towards separate goals? Sometimes it's easy when you have a large group of people for everyone to pull their own separate way to try to take the you know some piece of the pie for themselves when the ants can teach us a lesson about working together about unity about how to how to get things done effectively you want to get things done pulled together next picture anybody know who this little guy is yep it's a fire ant Any of you lived in the South? You know what a fire ant can do, right? (laughs) When I was in high school, some of us were on duty to to maintain the school property. The school was located in Arkansas. And so there were lots and lots of these little guys. Um, Some of the freshmen who usually were assigned to these duties Uh, would take the weed eaters and they would go searching for fire ant nests and they would just hit them and like send fire ants flying and I had had friends who would go and they'd like put glue or gas or propane on these nests and try to burn them because they hurt so bad when they bite. And there aren't too many people in the south who like fire ants very much. Yep, they came from South America. They aren't, they aren't native to North America. Um, however, these, these ants are resilient. You know, you can't get rid of them very easily. Um, we would have uh, semiannual floods at, at the school property, and the river that flowed nearby would overflow its banks, and it would cover our lower fields. And when the floods would come and they'd cover the lower fields, these fire ants would all get together and they would ball up in a ball and they would float. Wow. So you had this pile of 1,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 fire ants that would just be floating around in this, like, in this, in this you know, flooded out area where the river had overflowed its banks. There would just be... You know balls of fire ants floating around, you know protecting their nest, protecting their ant, ants, and again pulling together, working together. In Proverbs chapter thirty, verse twenty-five, it says the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. In other words, they they're tiny little creatures but they work together and they put food away in the summertime to last them all through the winter they think ahead they prepare for the, plan for the future and they make and they and they trust that god's going to take care of them really they're patient they're persevering they'll spend you know All day emptying my cat's food dish. (laughs) They they will um, they they work hard. They're they're industrious. They find a food source. They let everybody else know about it, and they go they go looking, they go take taking it. They do, they do. They surmount seemingly impossible obstacles. Next picture. Ah. Here's another something, here's another food source they found. It looks like a dead cockroach. And uh, there's probably at least 30 ants in this picture trying to pull this guy. Um, they're, all, they're all pulling away in order, to, in order to help get this food back to their nest. And next picture? Ah. Here's one where we've got an ant. That has a little leaf, and it's like covered with covered with uh, sand. And this ant, it has a little bit of pollen on it. You can see the pollen stuck to the ant. Um, ants are also pollinators, so they have a symbiotic relationship with so many different other plants and animals. Have you ever thought, you know, sometimes, you know, these ants will will put away more food for winter than they can eat. Then what happens? Well, whatever that extra food gets left behind, the plants get to eat it. Have you thought about that? So they're, they're like natural composters, natural, natural fertilizers. They also create little tunnels all throughout the ground that allow water and nutrients and and air to even reach the roots of the plants for oxygen. So um, the plants can then, can then get the nutrients and the minerals and the water that they needed, whereas if you didn't have these little guys making all those little tunnels, the ground would eventually compact so hard, it would be like concrete. You wouldn't be able to, you, the water wouldn't be able to penetrate it, The plants wouldn't be able to get the nutrients that they needed to survive. These guys help out a lot of plants and animal life. Next picture. Some places in earth, it's so hot that you need a cooling tower to stay cool during the summer. So the way these termite mounds work is that they have cooling, cooling shafts, literally like air vents that go from underneath the ground all the way up to the top. And then what happens is on the, as, as moisture evaporates, it cools the air that then circulates through the nest below. So you wind up with cool air coming down through the center of the tower into the nest, and the hot air rising from the nest back up through the cooling tower. So you wind up with this circulating air going through the termite mound, and these termite mounds, they've done casts. They've they've like cut off the top and then poured like a really liquid cement into into the nest and let it all solidify and then dug out the termite mound. And oftentimes these termite mounds can spread up to 30, to 50 feet wide around it, but typically at least 20 feet, 12 to 20 feet around, um, or radius, so that'd be like 20 to 40 feet in diameter. And they'll oftentimes go down you know, one to two stories. So there's a massive labyrinth of tunnels and storage ways and caverns and nurseries, all underneath this cooling tower. And it's, 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 and they all work together to make it happen. The ants teach us so many lessons. You know, every moment the ants are out gathering food, do you think there's other people or other animals that are out looking for the ants. <laughs> yes? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ant eaters. Yes. Some ant eaters in fact, some of the Afri- like the African giant anteater is specially equipped to take care of these mounds. He'll actually tear the mounds apart and then stick his tongue down the tunnels trying to glue and grab all of the termites that he can. Um, but not just the ant eater. You know how many other creatures eat ants? I mean, birds they, birds they, eat and ants. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yep. Stick, stick a stick in and then and eat ants. the ants off of it. Yeah. Chimps, yes. I believe it's chimpanzees. They'll, they'll eat ants. Right, right out of a termite tower. Any other creatures you can think of that like to eat a tasty meal of ants? Bears? Bears? Lizards. Hmm. Lizards. lizards. Yeah. Some of the smaller creatures too. They'll take a. People eat ants. That's right. They're actually a clean insect. Um, termites. They have wings. They have six legs. They, they qualify as a clean insect. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> but they are a... They are cl- they're quite good. They're quite good. You don't know personally. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I was going to tell them to come ask you later what it was like. <laughs> oh. Who knows? (laughs) Indeed. Ants can teach us a lot of things about God's care and protection, but so can other creatures. Turn to Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Verse 18. Are we there? The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. So if you back up a few few verses before, the beginning of the chapter is, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. And then the chapter goes on to describe all of the amazing works that God has done. He laid the foundations of the earth, verse 5. Verse 13, he watereth the hills from his chamber. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. Verse 16, the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. What does a cony look like? Next slide. Here's a young African cony. This guy um, is, is thought to be the closest living rel- relative to guess what animal? Hmm? Nope, Melissa's got it. This is supposed to be the closest living relative to an elephant. <laughs> this creature is unique. It's about the size of a rabbit or a, or a badger, and it lives in the rocks. Lives in the crevices of the rocks. Proverbs says that these creatures. Are exceedingly wise for their size. They are but a feeble folk, yet make their houses in the rocks. According to Psalm 104, those rocks are are the home that God made for the conies. He sends the springs to run among the hills, where the birds have their habitation, and sing in the branches. All the creatures of the woods and hills are part of his great household. He opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. Psalm 145, verse 16. So here we have a creature whose every need is satisfied by the provision of our Lord. Next picture. Here's some more. These, these are sometimes called rock badgers, rock hyraxes, a hyrax, or a conies. Um, there's several different names for the different, the several species of, of these rock dwelling animals. And this picture is actually from nearby. Guess where it is? Big <laughs> Nope. A little further away. San Diego Zoo. So, next picture. So, if you want to go see one of these rock badgers, you can go to the San Diego Zoo. Um, Here's another guy. He's sprawled out, enjoying the day in his enclosure at the San Diego Zoo. Next picture. And here's several of them. You can see them in their native habitat, hanging out on the rocks, keeping an eye open for predators. And... And, um, and enjoying the habitat that God created for them. If God created a habitat just for these creatures, do you think he has a habitat for us? Yes? Really? What's the habitat he created for us? Indeed, he did create this earth for us, didn't he? Back in Genesis, he says, "Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion over it." Those are all commands that God gave. He created this earth as a habitat for us and us as its caretaker. Do we have another habitat he's created for us? Heaven. Heaven. Indeed, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. The book of Revelation gives us that same promise again in Revelation chapter 22. I think it's 22. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his works. Behold, I come quickly. Actually, he says it several times, three times at least just in chapter 22 of Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 20 and 21. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And so, when we think about the creatures that we'll see this afternoon as we go on our hike when we think about the rock badger, when we think about the ants, let us remember our father's care for us. And if he cares about those creatures, he most certainly cares about you and me. So let us close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your care and your watch and watching over us and protecting us and feeding us and giving us shelter and clothing. Lord, you've been so good to us, and I pray that as we behold your goodness and your works in nature, we might be reminded of your care, we might be reminded of you, and that, you, and that our minds would be filled with thoughts of you and of the heavenly home you're preparing for us. Father, we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.